Hi, you're listening to Living Life on Purpose, and I'm your host, Matt Wilson. The goal of this show is for us to sit down with successful people who also live a life of purpose. We want you to hear their stories, understand that they've had to overcome adversity, how their faith has played a role, and ultimately we want you to be encouraged by the things that you hear so that you can walk through similar situations. We hope you enjoy. Today on the show, we have Eamon Ross. Eamon is a businessman and political strategist who splits time between Oklahoma, California, and Colorado. He specializes in preparing kingdom-minded leaders to run for political office. Eamon is the founder of Kingdom in Politics. Eamon, it's an honor to have you here today. Matt, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was great to meet you at the, the Heaven and Business Conference in Reading a couple months ago or a couple weeks ago, I guess. You know, it was just exciting that that I met Kristen last February, had been trying to figure out who was that woman and, and what was her husband's name, been trying to, to reconnect for a year and a half. And then there you guys are, you know, right in front of me there at the conference. It was really exciting to uh, to get reconnected. Yeah, that was one of those kingdom connections and glad that it worked out. My uh, my wife is uh, sweet and she loves all those business and leadership and kingdom conferences and glad you guys got a chance to connect there. Yes, me too. And, you know, to me, it's just it's really exciting to hear that you know, there's somebody like yourself that is passionate about getting kingdom minded leaders involved in politics, because for whatever reason, uh, I've been interested in politics for a long time. and you know, to me, there are far too many people that you know, they might get into politics for the right reasons, but, you know, that may shift over time or they get into politics for the wrong reasons. And then that's very evident, you know, pretty quickly. But, you know, to have people with that right mindset getting involved, I think that that is something that is desperately needed. So how did you come up with this organization and, and what was your mindset about starting it? So the story really starts back in 2016 when I was on a half mission, half business trip to China. And I'm walking along the Great Wall of China, just kind of quietly praying to myself. And Matt, I've never had this happen before. I mean, it was a crazy thunderbolts and lightning experience where God just spoke to me. And he said, Amen, you think too small. You don't think generationally. Now, I was immediately overcome with emotion and just in tears instantly. And, you know, that's really humbling, right? Like, that's not really what you want to hear with the time that God speaks to you, like just completely audibly. Um, but it changed my life forever. So I came back to the States, was getting coffee with a good friend of mine. And we're sitting there and I was telling him about what had happened on the Great Wall. And he said, what do you think it means? And I said, Kevin, I've been praying about it for the last week. And for some reason, I feel like God wants you and me to put our heads together and put godly leaders in positions of authority at the state and national level. And he's just staring at me. And he said, do not tell anybody this, but I think God's calling me to run for governor. And then he said, be my campaign manager. And I started laughing and I said, you know, Matt, it's one of those deals where, you know, one of your good friends, like, you know, says something completely stupid to you. And you're like, no, no, it's a good idea. But I, I've never done anything in politics. I don't care about politics. Um, the only thing I've ever done is vote. And he said, me too. Well, fast forward four more months and my wife and I had just been praying about it. And, you know, it was just this insane idea. I mean, I had an unbelievably profitable, predictable, easy life. It was amazing. Um, and here we were about to kind of just go flush that down the toilet and go, go, go into this world that we have no idea about. I mean, even my family members were like, don't you think you should try volunteering before you do something like this? 
So anyway, we left, we left. I've never had, I've never been more scared with more peace about a decision. And, uh, Anyway, went and started, and uh, on day one, literally Kevin had zero experience either. So we both, I made 150 flashcards, and they were just political vocabulary flashcards because both of us had like fifth grade civics knowledge. Okay, and so we we started studying. It was a 10 person primary. We made it to the top two. We won the runoff, won the general, and he's now the governor of Oklahoma. And so. It was an amazing experience. And that's kind of where we, um, you know, first kind of started. But during that process, Matt, I experienced something that I just didn't really realize existed. And that was the complete ignorance and disengagement and complete um, just, just head in the sand mentality from pastors and believers across the state and surrounding states during that process. And it really woke me up. I'm like, what are we doing as a body of Christ and to, to change the world generationally? What kind of general generational impact are we making? And so that's where we took all of the material that we had learned from the over 100 um, different specialists, political experts, um, and we put it all together in a curriculum and got input from them and built out a how to run a um, how to run for office course and a how to run a campaign course. Now, since back then, you know, we've done a number of different campaigns from school board and city council and all the way to Congress and governor. But that's where it first started. And, you know, that's kind of our mission is to we have two missions, really. One is a short term and one's long term. And our short term mission, Matt, is to get a thousand churches this year, 2021, a thousand churches to commit to getting one member to run for school board. And then our long term vision is to have 100,000 believers, to raise up 100,000 believers to run for office over the next 10 years. Those are great missions. And I think that, um, you know, the church has done a terrible job of engaging people in their congregation, just reminding them what is at stake. And, you know, often people want to uh, resort back to the fact that, that Jesus wasn't involved in political office. Well, he he wasn't. But, you know, I would also say that we live in a representative government. So in the United States of America, you know, it's of the people, by the people, for the people. And with that, we have the ability that the people have the ability to become those elected officials. We have the ability to determine who are the people that make our laws. We are supposed to hold them accountable and when we see the you know, absolutely ridiculous decisions that they're making, why wouldn't we have people with morals and values and ethics that, that have courage and character to stand up for what is right? Why wouldn't we have those people stepping forward to, to make those decisions and, and to try and bring things back into alignment? Uh, I think that you know, churches should have done a better job for a long time. And you see the moral decline that we've got in our country right now. I mean, all of the the awful things that are taking place, it's because of the absence of God in our government. And the only way that we can solve some of these problems is by bringing God back into these situations, asking him to come back into situations that people have demanded that he leave over the last 30, 40, 50 years. And so I believe that it, it can be done but it does require people stepping up. 
you know, I, I completely agree with everything you just said there. And here's what's interesting is, you know, God, we have a republic, right? And God gave us all of this to steward. And we haven't been stewarding it. We have been abdicating our responsibility in the space for the last 60 years. And by doing that, you know, just take a look around. You can see the absence of God anywhere you look in your kids' schools, you know, in the city council meetings, in the state rep legislation, in Congress. That It is a mess because we haven't taken a stewardship approach to this space. And you're 100% right that we need to step up. We need to get involved. And we need to be really making a kingdom impact for the next generation. You know, I talk to pastors all over the nation. And it's fascinating because, you know, it, there are so many that really do want to get involved. They want to have candid conversations with their congregations about what's a, what is a biblical approach to um, this legislation or what's going on in our schools. What is, what is the biblical answer? What does God say about this? And But our, our Bible colleges and seminaries are failing these guys. They are not teaching these men and women how to think about and talk about these topics in a nonpartisan manner. And so, you know, it's interesting in the, in the How to Run for Office course, what we did is, Matt, we included in every video chapter of that course, we included a devotional, a three-minute video devotional of somebody in the Bible that was in politics, because you brought up a great point about, you know, that we've completely separated these two things. The reality is, you know, let me give you an example. So Moses, Moses was a chief justice. OK, the Israelites had been in slavery for 400 years. They come out of Egypt. They have no form of government and no judicial system. Moses created that at the advice of his father-in-law, Jethro, to you know break it down to the thousands, hundreds and tens. He literally created a form of government for them. Okay, you look at um, Esther in the Bible. She was a political advisor to the king. You look at Deborah. She was a judge. Look at Joseph and Daniel. They are literally called governors in the Bible. And so, you know, we are trying to shift the way that believers read the Bible to show them that, you know what, actually stewarding the public sector in the public arena, the area that God's given us to take territory, that is part of our responsibility. I think that that's... um... It's fantastic that you cite the examples because, I mean, there are so many people that, that are Christians that they've never even read the word of God. They All they've done is attend church, so they don't even know what the word of God says for themselves. And I think that that's a major issue that we've got. You know, so from that standpoint, I do believe that, you know, we've got to know what the word says in order to walk in the anointing that he's given us and the, the authority that he's given us. And I, I do think that a lot of that has been pawned off to somebody else instead of us taking the, the ground for the kingdom that we're called to take as followers of Jesus Christ. So from that standpoint, you are trying to engage these people. How do you develop the relationships with the people that, that are, are trying to run? How do, how do people find out about you? Uh, how are you guys getting your name out there? Yeah, so we're we're doing a very specific and strategic launch. So we spent the last year and a half filming um, the entire curriculum, and then we just launched about a month ago to the public, forward facing to the public. And so what we've been doing is reaching out to influencers, whether it's in the public sector, um, you know, with different governors or state representatives, or in the NGO space. We've been talking to hundreds of pastors all over the country. Because there's a ton of people that are out there talking about what we need to do, right? We need to get involved. We need to start leading in this space. 
But this is the how to do that. So really think Dave Ramsey for politics, okay? We are really trying to work with churches, small groups, and businesses who want to take a group of people through this curriculum together. And then what we have done is we've brought over 15 subject matter experts from around the nation, whether it's data and polling or fundraising or um, building your message and your platform and your stump speech, all of these different experts who are strong believers that want you to succeed. So after the group goes through the course, then they get three one-hour consulting sessions with one of the subject matter experts that they have questions that they'd like answers from. So that we're getting not only raising up people to run for office, we're getting them launched on a reasonable path to victory. So I showed my pastor the uh, the website, sent it to him, and he's like, "Man, that looks great." He was like, "You ought to run." I was like, "Thanks, I think." Uh, yeah. So I've, I've shown it to a handful of people, and the website is great, and there is so much information uh, that is extremely helpful. Uh, so what do you think is the, and I know we've discussed this previously, but, but for the recording, what do you think is the biggest issue that holds people back from stepping into what God's called them to do? I think that that is one of the most important questions. So what we, we, when we were doing our research on this, as we're building it out, um, we, we came up with four key reasons that believers don't run for office. The first one is the fear. The second one is the lack of kingdom-minded training. The third is mentorship. And the fourth is community. And so what we did is we built the entire program around those four things. And so let's talk about fear real quick. So the first, uh, we broke fear down into three different um, areas, okay? So the first one is the fear of the unknown. The fear of the unknown is, you know, it's, it's what stops anyone from ever taking that leap of faith that God's calling you to, right? You've heard the saying, he doesn't call the equip, he equips the called. And that's really true. And, and so uh, the fear of the unknown, we, we really work to eliminate that so that people can just get over that hurdle really easily. And then there's the fear of failure. What if I totally bomb? You have no idea you know, how failing can actually be used by God. I mean, let me give you an example. We ran this congressional, the last 11 weeks of a congressional race, and we already knew that it wasn't set up to win. It wasn't put in a good position from the beginning. But this guy was a long-haired, hippie-looking millennial, and he was a missionary for the last 17, 18 years to all these closed nations, China, North Korea, Iran, Afghanistan. And he just felt called to run for office. So we came and ran his last, the last 11 weeks of his campaign, and, and he lost. But guess what happened? We got emails from people all over the country and we had 12 people that ended up running for state representative because they're like, if you can do it, I can do it. There were five people that ran for U.S. Congress. And I can't even remember how many of them were for school board and city council. So you never know how God can use your failure or what you see as failure for his glory. And then we have the fear of success. And this is a real thing, right? Nobody wants to be the dog that caught the parked car. So we try to connect you if, when you win your election with people that will help you uh, grow in that space, learn in that space, so that we're really putting you in a position to succeed and you're be able to bring kingdom ideals into whatever office you serve. And, and oh, by the way, the, the person that you were helping the campaign for, that was Sean Foyt. And you know, not only did he learn from the failure, but 
the, the courage that he had to step out in that situation and in all of those missionary situations where he'd gone to all these crazy countries was the same courage that he had to step out and start the Let Us Worship and Hold the Line movement. And that has gone around the country in you know, a, a great form of people standing up for the things that they believe in, you know, the ability to worship, the ability to congregate, the ability to, you know, truly come together in a time of, of desperation, which is what the church should be about. You know, to me, uh, he's been one of the greatest leaders throughout this COVID season because, you know, he's encouraged me when I first went to that Let Us Worship event in Encinitas last year, you know, last July, it was just, it was so amazing because I'm in Birmingham, Alabama and everything was pretty much open. And there were still people that weren't coming back to church. And to see all those people in Southern California that were willing to risk being arrested, that hadn't been to any church services, weren't even allowed to have small groups, weren't allowed to sing. I mean, all kinds of nonsense to see them coming together, hugging one another. They hadn't seen each other in a while, getting baptized in the ocean. It was amazing. And I took that same fire back to Birmingham. I said, you know, what are we afraid of? Like um, we're open and people don't even want to come meet. This guy's risking everything and going around. And at that point it was just in Southern California. And then, you know, I know we were both at the, the DC event and then, you know, we went to the one here in Birmingham. I mean, it's just been incredible to see the people that have gotten behind that level of courage when people realize like he's standing up and he's not getting shot. He might get shot at, but he's not dead. So if he can continue to move forward, then I can do that. So I do agree that, you know, when people see that one person standing up, they want to see what's going to happen to them. And then they're like, well, that, that guy's still alive. You know, he may be scathed a little bit, but uh, but he's still moving forward. I think that that's powerful. You know, it's interesting. And there that was a such a fascinating year, right? I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic and they think that it was a 91 city tour. And, you know, right before they started the first one, I was... I was walking in my living room and this is the this is the weekend that uh, Governor Newsom in California said, no more praying in church. And I was just praying. I'm like, Lord, like, I don't accept this. This is insane. I draw the line here. What do you want us to do? And clear as day, I was like, praise and worship Golden Gate Bridge. So I called Sean and I said, Sean, you know, this is what just happened. He goes, let's do it on Thursday. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So we had we had Catholics, we had Baptists, we had the evangelical, we had everybody um, there. It was about 350 people on the Golden Gate Bridge uh, in the middle. Of, this is like you know April May of pandemic, right? So it's it's just no one really knows what we're dealing with. And we go out on the bridge, and about 20 uh, police officers show up. And so, you know, we're all just singing and worshiping on the middle of the bridge. And I go over to talk to them. I said, hey, you know, how can I help you guys? And they're like, no, we're here to help you. And I said, excuse me? And they said, we love what you're doing. This is on the San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge, right? We <laughs> love what you're doing. And we're going to block off this entire lane of the bridge so that nobody throws stuff at you and, and harasses you. I mean, that, that was the kickoff right there. That was the first one. And then from there, you know, Southern Cal and then obviously the rest of the nation. But uh, yeah, that, you, know, you just never know the way that God's going to guide you. And you'll learn so much, whether you win or lose, you will learn so much about yourself. And God will open up so many doors to you just by saying yes to running for office. And before all of that happened, your wife had a prophetic word for Sean and, and do you want to share what that was as you are in the midst of the campaign? Sure. So, you know, this was December of 
2019. And, you know, I was talking to my wife. I'm like, this thing has not been set up very well for success. Um, I'm pretty sure it's not going to work. I don't really want to go. Anyway, a long story short, we ended up moving out here, had no place to live and to run the last 11 weeks. And so we're doing this prayer night and my wife (laughs) prays over Sean. And she's like, Sean, I just, I don't see you winning at all, but I see you on horseback riding all across the nation, like Paul Revere. And so, you know, that's like the last thing that, you know, in a court, like she and I had had these conversations about, you know, I don't think he's going to win. But like when my wife, you know, she knew that she, she prophesied that, you know, Governor Stitt was going to win. So, you know, it was, it was one of those deals where like, you don't want to hear that in the, the heat of battle at the same time after the campaign was over. They came back and, you know, the lettuce worship stuff happened. I actually was with him yesterday and, you know, we, we were talking about, you know, he's literally been Paul Revere going all over the nation, um, you know, trying to say, hey, wake up, church. You better start, you know, bringing God into this space. We got to praise and worship, especially at times of adversity. So anyway, that was a fascinating experience for sure. That's awesome. So from this point going forward, you're trying to raise up all of these people. Are you seeing a lot of traction as you're having these conversations? Is the wake up call, you know, to me, if if people haven't had a wake up call that the government can take away everything in the blink of an eye, if they haven't seen that over the last year and a half and continuing to see, you know, constant government overreach, if if people in the body of Christ are not aware that these things that we hold dear and sacred can be removed immediately. I, I don't know what it's going to take. Are you are you seeing more people saying, you know what, I do need to get involved. I, I probably do need to step up. It's been so encouraging. Uh, I mean, I'm having I'm on calls with major leaders and influencers all across the nation, and then just you know tons of pastors, and they are engaged. Their their eyes wide open. I mean, they're they're starting to realize. Oh, I get it. I'm being censored every week. Oh, I get it. You know, uh, what what happens if we st- stay disengaged? I mean, will I be able to take online donations? You know, will my church, will the bank close me out because of my I'm a church and my political views? And, you know, that this is where the religious and individual freedoms are slowly being eroded at the local and, and state levels. And that's why we created a curriculum to really address the both the, the, the local level, the city, uh, the, you know, the schools, city council, mayor. And then the second level, the state rep, county commissioner, sheriff, you know, if I can take a second and just talk about sheriff, you, you believers have no idea how important it is to have a strong believer as your sheriff, because that is the constitutionally bound long arm of the law at the state level. And so if you have some crazy governor or county commissioner or district supervisor that says, you know what, shut down all the businesses, it's the sheriff that is the one that has to enforce that. And so if, if they're like, you know what, you know, we're not going to close the churches. We're not going to pull the pastor out and arrest them. Um, you know, that's, that's a real thing that's happening. It's happening all the time. And so you, you better have a great sheriff in your community. And then the level three is the Congress, Senate, uh, Senator and Governor, Lieutenant Governor and Attorney General. So we kind of broke those down based on the three key criteria, Matt, of uh, the size of the geography, the number of constituents and the cost of running an effective campaign. And then we provide strategies for each level of office um, that will really help you um, start thinking and understanding what what's the best way to approach this election cycle? What gifts and talents do I have that I need to focus on maximizing? So we really try to do a good job of bringing you content to make you a smarter candidate or 
a smarter um, volunteer on a campaign because we need that as well. I think that's extremely helpful. And and I do think that that's you know, really important given the the things that are going on right now with you know, uh, just this little amendment called the second, um, you know, gun control legislation would have to be implemented by those sheriffs in order to have guns confiscated, which is ultimately what it would take for people to give up their weapons in the United States of America. And it would be, you know, that group of people that would have to go door to door in order to get these things. Uh, Cause I don't know most people that would just readily turn theirs in. So I do think that that is something that people need to be aware of. Well, it could never happen in America. Uh, have you been paying attention to anything that's happened? Because I don't think that there's anything out of the realm of possibility at this point with, um, you know, some of the things that some of these leaders are willing to do. So I do think that it's extremely important that people open their eyes, recognize that they've got to be involved and and start stepping up in these positions. So as people want to get more information about you or Kingdom in Politics, what's the best way for them to do that? They should go to kingdominpolitics.com. And when they go there, there's a free training that we're offering. It's a 60-minute webinar. It's for um, how to transform your city, state, or nation by placing kingdom-minded leaders in positions of authority. So go to kingdominpolitics.com, click on the free training, can watch that webinar. Um, We kind of go through a little bit of what's going on right now in the nation. We go through some different stories about people who have ran successfully and unsuccessfully and are really addressed like, what's the pink elephant, right? what's going on in our nation right now and in our church community um, that's stopping us from being good stewards. And so, I mean, you know, one of the examples, Matt, is a a lady that she ran for school board recently in Chico, California. Okay. And And I'll share her story. So she's never been to college. She homeschools, doesn't even have a kid in public school. And ran for school board in one of the most crazy cities in the nation. I mean, saying Chico, California is like saying Berkeley. Okay. So there were six people running for two seats and she did everything we asked her to. She ended up getting third place, but she got so many votes. She actually unseated the two incumbents that were running for their seats again. And another believer got in and then someone that had a little bit less radical ideas. And so she, she was thrilled that, you know, as, you know, never been to college, homeschools, doesn't even have a kid in public school. And yet she was able to change the entire space of the school board because she said yes to what God had asked her to do. That's awesome. And I was talking to a client the other day that's in Manhattan Beach, and she was saying how ridiculous, you know, L.A. County restrictions are even worse than the rest of, of California's restrictions. And she was talking about you know, it's $3,000 per month per child. She's got two children to be in a pod over the last year to try and get her you know, children educated. And she said, you know, you'd be proud of me because I'm speaking up for my you know, political beliefs and people are agreeing with me and they've asked me to run for school board. And I said, well, you should. And she said, well, I'm sending my kids to private school when this is all said and done. I said, it doesn't matter. You know, you still could have a voice, even if your kids are not in that school system, you still have the ability to advocate for the other people that do. So I think that you ought to take that seriously. And um, I think she'd be great, but I, I don't know if she's going to, to ultimately end up doing that or not. But but in situations like that, where even though they don't have skin in the game, 
they still see what's going on for everybody else that, that their children are probably homeschooled for a reason because of all the stuff that's gone on in the school system. So most of the, the, the Christian families that I know that are homeschooling, it's not because they just want to homeschool their kids. It's because they don't trust the things that are being taught in the school systems. They don't want their kids being poisoned with all of the garbage that they're continuing to try and cram down their throat and say is okay. It's not okay. So I do think that that's extremely important. And that's very encouraging that she was able to you know, help affect change, even though she didn't win. That is that's still change. So that's good. You know, I think at the end of the day, it comes back to, for me, what the Lord spoke to me on the Great Wall. Amen. you think too small. You don't think generationally. And so for all of your listeners, Matt, I would just ask you to take a moment and think, am I thinking generationally? Am I making decisions that will make a kingdom impact for the next generation? That's a great question. And that's going to, uh, I think that's going to cause some sleepless nights for some of these people listening to this. And that's a good thing. Eamon, it has been an honor to have you here today. And I know that it's inspiring. It is it's challenging. And it is something that, that I think that we all need to ask ourselves is, is there something that we could be doing more to think generationally? So thank you so much for being here. Matt, appreciate it. If you have enjoyed this episode, please check us out on Facebook, Living Life on Purpose, and then also on Instagram, Living Life on Purpose Always. We appreciate you listening today, and we will catch you again in two weeks.